0: Welcome to Sheffield Digital Insight, a campaign focusing on careers in the tech sector. We want to open up the region's digital tech industries so that anyone who is looking for work can consider a career in tech. In a series of interviews, we are starting a conversation about different roles, the skills you need or can expect to learn and everything that is exciting and inspiring about working in tech. Hi, this is Sarah Lister from Sheffield Digital. I'm talking to Ryan Temple, who is Head of Product Development at Tez, to ask him about his job and career development. Tez has evolved from a printed newspaper supplement to support schools and teachers with their work into a leading education business and global digital community. In 2018, Tez opened an office in Sheffield and here the evolution continues with the announcement of a new engineering hub in 2021, and the creation of new jobs in the city. Ryan, can you start by telling us about your current role at Tes?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, as you said, i so the head of product development at Tez. Uh, and what that effectively means is I look after the uh, a number of teams across a, a few different products. There's around six teams in, in my area, with some based out in Australia, some based in Scotland, some in Wales, some in, in England as well. So, I suppose, day to day, I'm kind of... Uh, helping and supporting grow the teams and, and working on the, the sort of more strategic technical view of the the, the product that might be supporting them with recruitment or um, working out how we uh, create common services or reduce duplication that kind of thing.
0: What are the core skills that you need for your role?
1: So. I suppose it's, it's primarily a, a people role. So I, a lot of what I do is is kind of coaching people, working with them, you know, influencing stakeholders, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I do still need technical skills. I'm obviously from a, a technical background and, and that's important as well because you need to, to still be able to have an understanding, albeit at a high level, of, of what's going on in the individual teams. So that might be sort of reviewing new architectural proposals or suggesting different ways that we might go different products that we might use that kind of thing
0: what's the most challenging part of your job would you say that's a, that's
1: a good question i think that the most challenging part is um you know whenever you work in uh, in a company you have to find out that the, the sort of best way to use what you've got at your disposal so you, you'll have got when you've got three teams, three completely different products, you might have, you know, them all having sort of competing things that they need and that they want to to, to do. And, and you have to try and find a way to to sort of put those in a priority order, but also do that in a way that you can explain that to people so that people can, can understand, you know, why actually we might not be doing that particular thing now. or We might, you know, we are going to do this, we're going to bring it forward, that kind of thing. And um, there's always something going on in, in all the areas right where you have to kind of try and balance so that that balance between all the different competing priorities is is the biggest challenge i think
0: how does your role fit into the sort of bigger picture of tez
1: sure so um the, the, the bit that we missed off at the start is that, as, as I mentioned, I'm one of the heads of product development and my area at Tes is what's known as pupil and learner management. So all of our products cover things that kind of manage day to day in the classroom. So we have our parents evenings and room bookings products. So um, during the pandemic, we obviously offered a lot of remote first parents evenings where people can kind of log on and, and have appointments with teachers. And um, we have products called class charts and provision maps. And some of these are a bit I know when I started the kind of Provision map, if you're a teacher, a teacher will know exactly what a provision map is, but it's it's probably quite a bespoke term otherwise. But class charts basically is managers attendance and behavior for students. So you know, traditional sort of thing of doing registers, but, but add in extra functionality on that to, to where we can kind of say these are some of the behavioral incidents of challenges that you've had during the day. And actually if you shuffle the seat and plan round, then you can get better behavioural outcomes because you can say that this child, when they sat next to this child, tends to misbehave. So you can sort of move things around a little bit and hopefully create more productive classrooms. Provision maps are, so that's focused on special education needs students. Um, So provision map is basically a document that a school has to produce that says these are all the things that we're putting in place. Um, So our software helps them manage that and helps them kind of track everything that they're doing for students, share it with other teachers. Um, They can also then use that as evidence for things like Ofsted and and apply for more funding and say that, you know, we've been able to do these things. And, you know, that, that therefore means they can get more funding. Uh, And the last part is uh, a company out in Australia called Edval, which does timetabling. Um, So this is creating your, you know, your students timetables for the year, which is is obviously a really interesting and and technically complex area. You've got a school of a couple of thousand students and, I don't know, a hundred teachers and however many lessons trying to create a timetable that meets them all can be, be quite interesting so yeah all, all of our products i suppose are focused around actually managing the day-to-day of the school and, and the pupils and, and what they do so it's, it's it's a really good area to work in actually because y- you know you've got a very kind of a very real positive impact to what we're doing you know you can you take provision maps for an example like if, if the outcome of people using our product means that they can have more time or get more funding to work with their pupils that's you know fantastic for them right.
0: How does the communication work then sort of between you or the company and the schools and how involved are you personally with that line of communication?
1: So our product managers would usually be the ones that manage the requirements so um, it's not something that I have a lot of direct involvement with but they do thinking about the class charts team i know they have incredibly good relationships and will you know go into schools and see how they're doing things and you know you get your kind of feedback and ideas for new features directly from the schools and and we can kind of then bring them into the product right but yeah our product teams and and i design teams are the ones that are involved in that but i think because of the because of the kind of products that we've got all of my engineers are really are really invested and they, re- they really understand the the kind of the reasons why we're building something which is it, as someone in my position, that's really good because um, sometimes it can be easy for, for engineering to, to almost be a little bit detached from actually the, the reality of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But um, with, with the sort of set of products that we work on, we've got a really powerful um, sort of uh, anchor for, for the teams to kind of uh, base themselves around.
0: And as well as the technical skills, would you say that your job and the work of your team involves some creativity as well?
1: Definitely. I, I, I'd always say that software engineering and, and coding is, is a creative industry, really. Like, it, you know, it, for, for some of our products, we're solving problems that, that perhaps haven't been solved elsewhere or tackling really complex things. And you've got to have that bit of creativity about, about the stuff that you do to sort of make that work. And there's also a little bit of thinking of, of how do we present this? Uh, you know, we, in, in some cases, we do have very complex things. And we have to think about how we present that information or or that system in front of people that makes it easy to use while keeping the complexity because you know then some of that's needed um but ultimately teachers are really time poor they're really busy so we need to to make that as simple to understand as possible
0: and what's it like for you working for a global company
1: um i guess it's really good like it's there's obviously challenges with it like you know with a team out in australia that means that time zones can be difficult that there's not a lot of crossover i think we've sort of got into between like a seven seven and nine in the morning will give us a little bit of crossover to do things so there's a challenge there for me um to sort of create a culture that spans all of those teams and all of those time zones right because left to its own devices people probably wouldn't naturally communicate with each other because it can be quite challenging but equally it's 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 really interesting to get a a different view on things like that, you know, we probably all have assumptions that we don't realize about the UK school system. We just think this is how schools work. But actually, if you speak to the team out in Australia when they're doing timetables, it's completely different. You know, the the way that lessons are planned and everything is completely different, which means that um, you have to we have to constantly be thinking, well, actually, let's make sure this is not a UK specific um, angle on this, that we're thinking broader. Um, and having a team that is global helps us do that a little bit because you've always got that that other viewpoint of, of you know, we do things differently in Australia or, or wherever.
0: So after talking about some of the challenges of the job, which parts do you really enjoy doing?
1: So I enjoy mostly building teams and, and developing people. Um, so I think what's really interesting about software engineering sometimes is that you kind of start out your career and, as you progress, you almost do less and less of it. It's, it's a strange thing, right? Where we kind of go to university or, or, you know, train up however, um, for a while, start doing it. And then as you move up, you do less and less of it. But luckily for me, I kind of really enjoy uh, developing teams and developing people. And I get just as much satisfaction out of creating a, a team that works really well or helping someone make that step in their career as I did when I was sort of actively writing code, you know, day in, day out, so. Um, That that's the most enjoyable thing for me. And I think also that the chance to kind of give back sounds a little cheesy, but yeah, (laughs) Um, because, you know, I I feel really lucky to to have done what we've been able to do in in software engineering because you get a lot of opportunities from doing it. Um, And so because of the position I'm in now, we're, you know, we're able to do things like Creating apprenticeship schemes that means we can get people involved in software engineering that perhaps wouldn't have been able to get involved before and um being able to offer those opportunities is is something i really enjoy
0: yeah that's amazing i think the education system in sheffield is is really looking out for those types of opportunities Mm -hmm. to work with companies
1: yeah definitely it's um and actually um, being able to work in Sheffield is really good for me because I've kind of I'm from the area and I've sort of always moved around for jobs so coming over to Tez has meant that I can actually work almost back home which is is really nice.
0: Brilliant and do you tend to do you work in the office or do you work from home or do you have a kind of hybrid model?
1: So we, we do yeah it's, it's a hybrid model we are mostly home-based um, what we do is that we um, will aim to go in perhaps once a week or uh, and. But what i say to teams and, and what we try and do is that, that the office is, is for different things than working at home and so we try and avoid just going to the office to put headphones on and sit doing the exact same things that we do at home because you know why would you do that um so we'll actually say right well let's all go in together on a day and we'll do some um you know workshop something up or, or um do a bit of a session how we think we're doing as a team or you know something like that um so we'll kind of bring everyone together for specific things um yeah
0: mm-hmm. great and how much experience did you already have before you joined Tes? because you're now head of product development so it'd be really interesting to hear about your career progression I,
1: I obviously just started in this role I think I've got doing my maths 10 years about 10 years total experience before then so I um I held a similar role for uh, a pharmacy chain um previously um, prior to that I worked as a team lead at the BBC so working on uh, BBC Bitesize and the education stuff and yeah so I, I kind of started from that you know out of uni software engineer into senior software engineer and then I think it's sort of three and a half four years as a team lead before then stepping up into that that head of role in a couple of companies so yeah around, around 10 years is, is, is where I'm at and that was kind of mainly working in the technologies that my team's working now but obviously you've got that as you move into roles like the one I'm in now, um, actually some of the teams that I work with are technologies that I'm perhaps not familiar with from a hands-on kind of sense. So there's an interesting challenge there to, to understand at a high level, the, the uh, I suppose, the the pros and cons of the things that we need to be careful of when when using things that perhaps you've not used personally yourself.
0: And do you think that going to university has had so far a positive impact on your career?
1: I think so yeah i went to sheffield university and i always i had a manager who used to, 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 to talk about it so what's your unfair advantage and i think when I, I when i finished uni my unfair advantage was that um the fourth year at sheffield university gives you um six months of hands-on team experience so you work for a small software company that does real jobs for real uh, companies and that was brilliant because that meant that when i was coming into my first job i I'd already got that experience of working to deadlines working in a team managing expectations all of that sort of stuff um so yeah I, I, having said that you know I mentioned about like apprentices apprenticeships and things I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of that and um, I think if I was 18 now and thinking about what I'd do I'd, it'd be a hard choice about whether I went down the kind of apprenticeship route and and got that more sort of hands-on work experience earlier or whether I still went and, and did a degree
0: so if you actually had an apprentice on your team?
1: Um, so we are due in Tez to start with our apprentices in 10 days time, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've had apprentices on uh, teams in previous companies when I worked at the BBC and when I worked for Well Pharmacy, we had uh, apprentices in our teams as well. And yeah, that I think my first experience was at the BBC and and what really, what I got out of that was that someone, they they came out of college and, and did a four year degree apprenticeship with us. Actually, at the end of that four years, they were in quite an advanced position in their career because they got four years of actually doing, you know, doing the delivery and delivering software as well as having some of the formal learning. So they kind of almost had the best of both worlds. Um, Yeah, so we've got them in. And I think it's really important in terms of, um, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to university. And it's I know that not it's even more expensive now than when I went and not everyone can afford that and everyone's got the time to do it um So you know the fact that there are alternative routes in is is really good because it, it opens up the, the number of people that we can
0: access. What's been the most valuable part of your education or career development to get to where you are now?
1: So I think education-wise, it was the what I was saying about the University of Sheffield, the the fourth year like uh, industrial placement or company placement that they do as as part of their degree. um That was hugely beneficial early on because it just um it meant when I got into jobs I hit the ground running because I knew what was expected I knew how to do things basically in terms of career development I think actually the pandemic generated a lot of opportunities for I was at BBC at the time it generated a huge amount of opportunities for us because you know it, it created such a change in how people were doing things particularly in education everything had to move online so that was just kind of like a A complete change that that opened up things and and, and gave us opportunities there. So I think that was probably, that probably accelerated my development and and gave me situations that really challenged me. Because I suppose that's what you need, right? You need something difficult to, to sort of push you along.
0: And what's it like working for Tez?
1: um it's really great it's it's a really really collaborative environment um a really really good team culture everyone's incredibly supportive the fact that we've got that that cause or that thing that we're working for is good like we've got quite a few people that have perhaps got education backgrounds they might have been teachers or they might have been um involved in education in some way and have moved into into roles i've got software engineers who who retrained as after being teachers and moved into software engineering so you know you, you you definitely get that satisfaction of you doing something that that makes a difference to to teachers and, and ultimately to students which is which is really good
0: and what do you recommend as the best starting point to get into product development
1: so I think in terms of training if people are starting completely fresh then looking out for apprenticeships and and things like that boot camps if if possible but again you know I know that that's not always people have not always got the time or or money to invest in those things. Product development's an interesting term, right? And it's, it's a very conscious choice that, we, that we've made here at Tez, um, which is that what we build is focused on the product. So we're not engineering for engineering's sake. We're not just building things to, to kind of keep churning things out, but we're thinking a lot about what the customer actually wants and what the customer actually needs. And I suppose that, that there's, there's not maybe formal training that that, that teaches that mindset, but it's, it's something I think that, that can be really, really valuable to a developer and and A lot of really good developers that I've come across across my career, you know, in different companies are the ones that have had that mindset of what do we actually need to do to make things better for our customers and and really focused on building things for customers and and improving things that way. Um, So, you know, whatever people can do to to sort of think in that mindset, I think, can, can really help.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find all the relevant links for this episode in our show notes including our YouTube channel which features many more of these interviews and a link to more info about the campaign.